0: Tired of sending out countless job applications and haven't received any interviews? In this episode, we'll be talking about some of the main reasons job applicants don't get any interviews and an exciting upcoming event featuring a career coach who will share some insider information on what employers are actually looking for in your resume, cover letter, and job interview. This is the Public Health Insight Podcast. Before we move on, it is important to note that the views expressed in this podcast are our own and do not represent any of the organizations we work for or are affiliated with. You're listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for all things public health and global health, from the sustainable development goals to the social determinants of health, as well as interesting dialogues about the diverse career opportunities that exist in these fields. Remember to subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so other people like you can benefit from our content. My name is Gordon, your host for this wonderful episode, along with my fellow co-host, Lashawn.
1: Lashawn, what's up? What's up, man? How's it going?
0: We're doing all right. So I ended it there on the upcoming exciting event. Do you want to tell the people uh, what to expect?
1: Yeah, well, on Thursday, April 7th, from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to be having an event. It's going to be called Why You're Not Getting Any Job Interviews or Offers. And it's going to be featuring a special guest. So y'all need to go ahead and sign up on Eventbrite right now.
0: Right, right now. So speaking of, of those reasons why people don't get job interviews, what are some of those reasons that you can think of? Yeah,
1: there's quite a few of those reasons. Quite a few, eh? Quite a few. I mean, you could start off right at the top where, you know, you're applying for jobs that you just simply don't meet the requirements or qualifications. You know what I mean? So like mm. if you if the job Is that like number of years and stuff? Yeah. The basic requirements, like number of years and there are exceptions to that, and there're nuances. But like things like if they require you to have an MPH degree as a definite requirement and a must-have requirement and you don't have a MPH then maybe you should set your expectations a bit differently in terms of landing that interview. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, it's almost too like... I think it you can do that. Like There are times where you apply to jobs where you don't meet the qualifications. But if that's all that you're doing, that's a problem, right? You might have... In every five that you apply for, there might be one Hail Mary in there. Mm. I totally get it. We've been there. But if all five of them are jobs where you don't meet the qualifications, then... That's uh, maybe be a little bit more efficient with your job application process, right?
1: Exactly. And then you might just simply be applying for jobs that aren't the right fit based on your background. So let's just say I'm in public health and I've been doing, let's say, research my whole career. And I'm so good at qualitative and quantitative research. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, forget this let me go into environmental health. Okay. And sure, there can be research opportunities for you to dive into. But keep in mind that you're also competing against other seasoned applicants who may have experience in environmental health sector, doing specific research or different policy analysis, etc. So a lot of these factors, as you can kind of see, they're, they're just things you should think about, and you should use them to Set your expectations as realistic as possible.
0: I think it goes into the idea of target jobs. So going back to your example, I think it's fine to apply coming from kind of qualitative research going into environmental health. But if you don't tailor your resume Mm. to show why that's of value, then it's a double whammy. And, you know, identify your target job. So what that looks like is for me, I identified health promotion and knowledge translation as my target job tailored all my experiences to that, so I wasn't applying all over the place. Tailoring your resume can be very exhausting. So if you're applying to maybe 10, 20 distinct different jobs, it's it's pretty exhausting to put out high-quality applications. So that's the first thing I'd say about that. Mm. So in line with that, LaShawn, is it acceptable for me to be working on one job application for one, two, three weeks. Like the deadline's three weeks from now and I spend my entire three weeks working on that one job application. Should I be applying to more?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, right? You want to be realistic, right? So what type of job is this? Is it a job like you're super confident in getting and this is designed for you? Keep in mind that even if you apply for that, you spend the three weeks doing that, you might not get the job, right? There might be a huge applicant pool, a huge qualified applicant pool, and you might have just, all three of those weeks have gone to waste because you just banked all your efforts into that one application. It makes a lot of sense to put more eggs in the basket, which doesn't mean you necessarily have to sacrifice quality, but you just have to be willing to think about other opportunities that might be present right so mm. there are always other types of jobs available like you might think oh this health promotion job is the one for me but there's always going to be another job that you might be really interested in in another organization that you should also spend time applying to right yeah the opportunity cost is a thing that i would
0: pinpoint there when you're applying for that one job there's probably 10 other deadlines that have passed where you could have had a chance of getting those other jobs so you can't get to tunnel vision
1: in your job search is it wrong to say that uh, it's sort of a numbers game at that point
0: it's a juggling act Mm. i think this is gordon's tips is not best practices in the real world (laughs) so i think once you've established your target job it becomes a numbers game so i knew i wanted to do health promotion Mm. the health promotion resume is not gonna change that much your cover letter is going to change depending on the organization and then specific things like if you're doing more focused on program evaluation versus more research-based health promotion, you have to tailor those parts of your resume and cover letter. But by and large, it remains the same. So you can just, you know, if there's 20 health promotion jobs out there and all the deadlines are in seven days, you can get them all out. But when you're doing one EPI, one policy analyst, one this, one that, then you get a little, the numbers game works against you and you don't put out quality applications. So that's what I would have to say about that. Other reasons, Lashon, are there any other reasons that people often miss mm-hmm. in why they're not getting interviews.
1: Yeah, yeah, this this next point is just very straightforward and simple. It's like mm. you're not following the directions that that organization or company has put forward. What do I mean by that? If the position specifically says, please send me one document with both your resume and cover letter, please do that, right? They're n- Don't give them a reason to not give you that interview, right? So don't send them two or three documents and be like, hey, here's my application, figure it out. And make sure you're emailing it to the right person that's dated on the job description as well. But it's just such an easy point that people just often forget and especially if it's asking for a specific format. Maybe they're asking for a Word doc. More often, it's a PDF uh, file type. So Mm. just keep that in mind. It's an easy kind of red flag that will get you out of any competition for a job interview
0: one of the ones people don't often think about and this is something that i first heard about when we immigrated to canada where my mom was being told when she would go you know when they have those little i think goodwill has those career counseling centers and stuff and they were like Mm. you know you're a bit overqualified for a lot of those jobs that you're applying for and you have to consider when you're applying to jobs when you go into that environment, how you're gonna you can stand out in a good way or a bad way. It's a realistic thing where people think this person could be threatening to my position. If you're way more qualified than the person who's gonna be managing and supervising you, there might be an imbalance of knowledge and an asymmetry there that's not ideal for their organization. So you have to take those things into account as well as to why right. you're not getting jobs. And and
1: I guess with that point, like if you're super overqualified, they might have a bias in mind that you're going to demand more of a salary which they won't be able to provide. That's right. That, that's a great point. And
0: is it fair to say that some recruiters check out your presence on in the digital space like on social media and that might influence hiring decisions or interview decisions?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on kind of the hiring practices at place at any given organization, but I have heard stories about, you know, hiring managers or recruiters just doing a quick Google search and typing in your name of the applicant and just checking out to see if you know everything checks out but it's it's a good idea always to make sure that you're you're coming off as professional as possible
0: and the last thing we want to talk about for this part is consider the possibility that it's a very competitive job market for that specific job whether it's that particular job is in high demand or you're applying for jobs, where there's a huge availability of talent in a specific city or region.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, for example, if you're applying to jobs in Toronto or Ottawa, maybe they're going to be more in demand and it's going to attract more applicants for individuals looking to get into the city. Whereas if it's more out of town, maybe rural areas, there might be less competition depending on the particularities of of the position, right?
0: Mm -hmm. Especially if they require you to actually move and work in person. And if it's a shorter contract, so imagine a rural or remote area where it's a six-month contract and they're expecting people to move, that screens out a lot of people. And if you have the flexibility to perhaps do that, I would recommend you strongly consider that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of specifics, so we know when we talk about job applications, we're talking about things like resumes and cover letters, right? So in terms of a resume, what are some of those turnoffs in terms of a resume for employers?
1: Yeah, I've had the opportunity to screen probably at this point over 100 resumes. And I've come out with a lot of different lessons and kind of pet peeves, if if you will.
0: Pet peeves, eh?
1: The first prominent thing that sticks out in my head is this idea of not having a focused or tailored resume okay it is so damn obvious when you're just putting something out there that's generic right it, it has no relevance to the job position you didn't tailor any sort of keywords or your narrative towards that position it seems like you literally copied and pasted from resume to resume right mm-hmm and it's so obvious don't think you're sneaky and like I like to optimize and make things as efficient as possible but like you gotta do better than that you gotta put keywords you gotta show that you have tailored it to specific responsibilities of the job key job duties qualifications come off as you literally put a lot of time into this resume it's so So, obvious Gordon it's so so, obvious it's so obvious okay
0: okay hold on hold on hold on (laughs) So as an example, would an example be something like, I have two years of experience in policy through school or through volunteer or whatever it is, and I'm applying for an EPI or data analyst position, and I make no mention of EPI or data or an analysis on my policy application. So the idea here is not that a policy job cannot be applied to EPI or, or data analyst job. It's just that you have to be the one to do the work to tell them why it's related. Like, LaShawn is not trying to figure out how your previous experience is related to this. You have to tell them through your resume. Listen, Is that kind of what you're saying?
1: That is true. Mm. And then I also want to put out one more thing. We understand that everyone can tailor their first paragraph. Everyone does it, right? But what happens on paragraph two, three, four, five? That's where it goes downhill. Right. So everyone can change that. Hey, I saw this position on the job board and I'm so passionate about this organization and this specific position. Sounds good. It's promising. And then second paragraph, super generic. Third paragraph, super generic. Fourth paragraph, super generic. Closing paragraph, super generic. And you might add something at that last paragraph there to make yourself stick out a bit. But yeah, it's man, it's so obvious.
0: So you're saying even for, so resume and cover letter, you're saying it's not being tailored enough.
1: Exactly, right? Use those keywords in the job description, right? If it's talking about qualitative research, talk about your experience with qualitative research and some of the methods that you have used and some of the experiences. If you're asked to talk about project management and if that's a major part of your role, talk about how you started planning, implementing, monitoring, controlling, and closing out different projects. That's what they want to hear. They want to hear more specifics, right? And you don't necessarily have to get into the jargon of any given field, but you want to show them that you're capable of successfully being in that job and giving results. At the end of the day, people who want to hire you want to be confident that you will get everything done. They want that confidence from you. That's it.
0: LaShawn, sounds like you're a bit scarred there. No. From uh, some previous experiences, but on <laughs> a serious note, though, one of the things we we one of the things we talk about too is even this idea of you know the heading on your resume titled "relevant experience." It's a bit of a I don't know if you could call it a misnomer because anything you put on a resume should be relevant experience. Mm-hmm. Therefore, then you don't there's not a need to even title the section "relevant experience." So anything irrelevant, yeah, okay, should be left off your resume, right? or should be tailored such that it becomes relevant to the position that you are targeting. You have anything to say about that?
1: Yeah, like I said, you probably have some sort of two-page or three-page document with a bunch of different experiences or a piece of paper or maybe your LinkedIn profile with all your experiences. You don't need to highlight all that on any given application. You want to make it as easy as possible for the person reading that to see right away. Boom, 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 boom. These are the relevant points. You don't want them to be like, mm, okay, you don't want them to make the connection like you said.
0: I remember when I used to put uh, soccer coach on my resumes where it had nothing, like I could not relate it to the jobs I was applying for. And then I just took it out. Like it's cool. And one of the interesting things you can do, I find that a lot of people are passionate and sentimental about their experiences. Right. And it's almost like removing it from your resume mm. is throwing it in the trash. But the reality is, It's also good to hold some things back for when you get to the interview. You don't want to hold things back that are clearly relevant that can increase the chance of getting the job. But even those, you know, hobbies or any kind of (laughs) earlier cool things that you did. So, for example, I'm a licensed open water scuba diver. So if there's a nice way, if, if, you know, reading the room during the interview, if there's a nice way to kind of throw that in there for them to see that this person is dynamic and they're a real person with interests outside of work. It's a good thing to include at that point, but on a resume where they don't know you and you don't have a rapport, you know, it's best to not waste space on your resume with those
1: things. Yeah, I, I would say start off with your stronger experiences, and it mm. almost reminds me of a dunk contest back in the 2010s. Mm. DeMar DeRozan was amazing dunker. He Mm. and each dunker gets two dunks in the first round. He saved his best dunks for the second round instead of the first Mm. round. And because of that, he didn't even make it to the second round, right? Mm. So you want to start off strong, especially when it comes to, you know, first impressions on a resume slash cover letter.
0: And one little thing too, when it comes to applying for jobs outside of where you live. So we've been told to put our location, if you will, On resumes and cover letters. So London, Ontario, maybe your full address. But some employers will actually screen you out because you're outside of the city that the job is located in. So is there a way to mitigate this or
1: is this a real thing, Lashon? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I'm not really, I've heard that this is a potential thing where if you're, you know, for example, applying from a different country or a different province, you might get flagged because they want more local residents. I always think it's just great in the cover letter to maybe give a brief explanation of your situation and your willingness to relocate and come to a different city or a different province or a different country, just so that you're transparent and not let them make the guess for you on what they think you're going to do.
0: Yeah, that's good. And even if you, for, if you have a job application, where it requires you sending attachments like your resume and cover letter to a specific email. I think in the body of the email too, it could be a good mention if you don't have it in your cover letter. Hey, I currently live this. Um, My family and I are actually relocating to London, Ontario in the next two months and are looking for opportunities to pursue or something like that. They don't want to waste time with people where there's going to be barriers for them taking the job, right? So they, they have a specific set of resources and time to bring the right candidate in and they don't really want to hire or give people interviews where it's not obvious that they can actually come and do the job in a specific time period, right? So that's what it comes down to. In summarizing everything here, LaShawn, what would you say are maybe your three things to avoid doing when you're talking about resumes and cover letter? So you get out of your own way in terms of your success In job applications
1: yeah so the the first thing is always make sure what you're doing is targeted and tailored okay so you want to target a specific job that you're interested in and then tailor your application towards that the second thing would be making sure that when you're doing this tailoring you're using specific keywords from that job posting okay so don't use other positions as a guideline use the position that they posted and the keywords the roles the responsibilities the qualification the experience that they expect from that position okay and the last part is super easy follow directions if they ask you to send a cv or resume instead of a cv send them a resume if they ask you for a two pager resume instead of a three pager Follow them if they ask you to send it in a specific format. Follow that, especially if they ask you to name your documents a specific title. Do that. What about you, Gordon?
0: Yeah, I would say uh, the first thing: identify your target job. Uh, it makes your life easier in the long run. It's so you're not applying to everything that pops up under the sun. It's impossible to tailor your resume when you're applying to twenty different types of positions. So I think you might have to narrow the scope there. Uh, the second thing is making sure you only talk about relevant experiences on your cover letter and job applications, and and cover letter resume and your just entire job application, because you ideally, if you're someone like who's a recent grad student, you're not. If it's a resume, not a CV, if you have more than two pages on it, and this is just my personal opinion, if you have more than two pages, three, four pages on your resume you're having experiences on there that are just, you know, space fillers. So they don't want to read things that are not relevant. Mm. And on those documents, make sure you highlight accomplishments and have action statements. A lot of times resumes read kind of passive. Uh, When you see bullet points underneath job titles, it's not even clear if you were the ones that did that particular task. Mm. And it's not clear what the outcome was. So That's what employers are actually looking for. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Insight Podcast, your go-to space for informative conversations inspiring community action. If you enjoy our podcast, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. See you in the next one.